Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chris Lazo, host of the Conversional Speaking Podcast. And before we started this episode, I wanted to make sure that you're aware that I have available a free PDF that outlines about 10 years worth of my research and painstaking experience. It's the five secrets of great public speaking. I outline five ways to instantly push up and elevate your experience, your capability, your knowledge, and your opportunity to move forward in the craft of speaking. If you want it, you can get it at chrislazo.com. Speak on, my fellow conversionals. What's up, everybody? This is the Conversional Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lazo, and today we're going to break down Steve Jobs' Stanford Commencement Address. How do creative entrepreneurs make lifelong, raving fans when they communicate? That's the question. This show has the answers. My name is Chris Lazo. Welcome to the Conversional Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Chris Lazo, and welcome to the Conversional Speaking Podcast. Today, we're going to do a breakdown of a commencement address that the late Steve Jobs gave at Stanford to the graduating class of 2005. And I want to do this to show you what great speaking can look like. Now, part of the reason I wanted to start with Steve Jobs is because, in a lot of ways, he's the poster child for all the things that speaking classes and speaking courses tell us not to do. If you were to watch his commencement address on YouTube, you would see him looking at his notes. The classes tell us not to do that. You would see that he does not have a very large dynamic range. He's not charismatic. He doesn't yell. He doesn't bring it down to a whisper. On top of all of that, he's probably just not what most of us would have expected back then of a stadium-filling, motivational, charismatic speaker. He comes across reserved, quiet, maybe even a little quirky. Perhaps like some of us. And yet, clocking in at over 65 million views on YouTube as of this recording... It's one of the most popular commencement addresses in history, which means that there is way more to great presentation than simply what you're born with. And Steve Jobs gives us a master class in great public speaking. Now, there's a lot of things in the speech that we could analyze. The fact that he is one of the greatest thinkers in our generation, that might have something to do with the power of his presentation. It could be that he was fighting cancer and we're listening to this from a point in future where we no longer have him. That has an emotional power to it. There's all sorts of things that we could attach to why his speech is powerful and they might all be true. But I want to focus in on one today, something we've talked about from time to time, and that is the sheer organization of his speech. None of those other things would be anything apart from the organization of his talking points. And as you're about to see, this speech is tightly organized. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with a few snippets, and I will pause every now and then to comment on a section of his presentation that he gives. 
So without further ado, here's the introduction to Steve Jobs' Stanford Commencement Address in 2005. I'm uh, honored to be with you today for your commencement from one of the finest universities in the world. Okay, this starts off safe and nice. He goes through the usual pleasantries and niceties, thanking the university and the establishment and the students there. And then... Truth be told, uh, I never graduated from college. And uh, this is the closest I've ever gotten to a college graduation. (laughs) Okay, this is a fantastic twist. If you remember episode 20 on this podcast, we talked about emotional hooks, ways that you can grab people's attention, and one of those was to do the unexpected. And he does this by starting off in a way that you expect. Probably every commencement address speaker up until this point has said something similar. Oh, this is such a fine establishment, great college, great students. And he says all of that, preparing you for what you think you're going to expect. And then he pulls that on you and actually says, "Ah, I never graduated. This is the closest I've ever been to a college commencement address. And everyone laughs. See, the power of that, especially in the introduction, is it upsets their equilibrium a little bit and thereby grabs their attention. They didn't expect that, so now they're listening. And it's at this point that Steve Jobs goes into the bulk of his speech. Today, I want to tell you three stories from my life. That's it. No big deal. Just three stories. Okay, keep in mind here that he's setting you up for a typical three-point outline. You already know what to expect. Three stories. And here they are. The first story is about connecting the dots. I dropped out of Reed College after the first six months, but then stayed around as a drop-in for another 18 months or so before I really quit. So why'd I drop out? It started before I was born. My biological mother was a young, unwed graduate student, and she decided to put me up for adoption. So in this first story, Steve Jobs goes straight after your heart by telling a heartfelt story of childhood and struggle, going all the way back to his mom and adoption. Now, he's going to go through a certain period of his life. I won't go through all of that here. You can look up the YouTube video if you want the full picture. But he does share about his first stint in college and how he ends up dropping out because it wasn't for him. Now, as all of these Stanford graduates are laughing at this, he goes on to say that because he was able to drop out of some classes, he could pick others. And one of the classes that he picked for fun was topography. Listen to what he says about the outcome here. Because I had dropped out and didn't have to take the normal classes, I decided to take a calligraphy class to learn how to do this. I learned about serif and sans serif typefaces, about varying the amount of space between different letter combinations, about what makes great typography great. It was beautiful, historical, artistically subtle in a way that science can't capture, and I found it fascinating. None of this had even a hope of any practical application in my life. But 10 years later, when we were designing the first Macintosh computer, it all came back to me, and we designed it all into the Mac. It was the first computer with beautiful typography. If I had never dropped in on that single course in college, the Mac would have never had multiple typefaces or proportionally spaced fonts. And since Windows just copied the Mac, it's likely that no personal computer would have them. 
If I had never dropped out, I would have never dropped in on that calligraphy class, and personal computers might not have the wonderful typography that they do. Of course, it was impossible to connect the dots looking forward when I was in college, but it was very, very clear looking backwards 10 years later. Again, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever, because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart even when it leads you off the well-worn path, and that will make all the difference. Okay, I want us to zoom out just to see what's transpired so far. He began the speech by grabbing people's attention and then let us know, I'm going to tell you three stories about my life. So we've got a three-point outline coming at us, and the first one is a story about him connecting the dots. And from that moment that he tells us about connecting the dots and his life story, all the way to that final point where he says, believing that the dots will connect later will give you confidence to follow your heart, that is what I like to call a sequence. A sequence is a body of supporting evidence, whether it's stories or metrics or proof or testimonies or stats or illustrations. It comes together to form a single sequence to get one point across. And Steve Jobs' first sequence was, I want to talk to you about connecting the dots. Here's a story from my childhood. Here's a story from college. And here's an application of all that I just shared with you, which is namely, believing that the dots will connect later will give you the confidence you need right now to follow your heart. And there's sequence one, okay? Now, we're going to go through the next two sequences a little bit faster, but I want you to see how tightly connected his body of work is at this point. Now, here is his second story, which will lead to his second point. My second story is about love and loss. I was lucky. I found what I loved to do early in life. Waz and I started Apple in my parents' garage when I was 20. We worked hard, and in 10 years, Apple had grown from just the two of us in a garage into a $2 billion company with over 4,000 employees. We just released our finest creation, the Macintosh, a year earlier, and I just turned 30. And then I got fired. All right, so at this point, Steve Jobs goes into his second story, which is about love and loss, and we see massive success. He also tells us in a strange twist that he gets fired from his own company. Now, at this point, he begins to tell us the beauty in both. I didn't see it then, but it turned out that getting fired from Apple was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. The heaviness of being successful was replaced by the lightness of being a beginner again, less sure about everything. Okay, and it's at this point that Steve Jobs is going to wrap up this second sequence with his point. I'm convinced that the only thing that kept me going was that I loved what I did. You've got to find what you love. Now he's going to move into his third and final story, which is the deepest and the most self-reflective. My third story is about death. When I was 17, I read a quote that went something like, If you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. It made an impression on me, and since then, for the past 33 years, I've looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? 
Now, after that start, he would go on to share about his struggle with cancer, which, listening to it about 15 years later, knowing that he passed away from that struggle, makes it all the more real, all the more palpable. And what's made palpable is his exhortation to the listener, to the graduate student, not to waste their time. His closing point in this third sequence on death is this. Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Now, before we share his closing remarks, I want to back up one more time so that you can see a wide-angle view, like a 20,000-foot-from-the-ground view of where Jobs has taken us. This is a simple three-point outline branching off from stories from various parts of his life, each story culminating in a moral or a point for that sequence. The first point was, believe that the dots will connect later. This will give you confidence to follow your heart. In other words, not everything you do has to make sense now. Trust that it will later. His second point is, don't give up. Just find what you love and stick to it. And his third point is, your time is limited, so don't waste your time living someone else's life. In the first sequence, we might say that he was giving us the faith to do something wild. In the second one, the passion to follow after it. And in the third, the courage to do it. And now, he wraps all of this up in a single story. There was an amazing publication called The Whole Earth Catalog which was one of the Bibles of my generation. It was created by a fellow named Stuart Brand, not far from here in Menlo Park, and he brought it to life with his poetic touch. This was in the late 60s, before personal computers and desktop publishing, so it was all made with typewriters, scissors, and Polaroid cameras. It was sort of like Google in paperback form 35 years before Google came along. It was idealistic, overflowing with neat tools and great notions. Stuart and his team put out several issues of the Whole Earth Catalog, and then, when it had run its course, they put out a final issue. It was the mid-1970s, and I was your age. On the back cover of their final issue was a photograph of an early morning country road, the kind you might find yourself hitchhiking on if you were so adventurous. Beneath it were the words, Stay hungry, stay foolish. It was their farewell message as they signed off. Stay hungry, stay foolish. And I have always wished that for myself. And now, as you graduate to begin anew, I wish that for you. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Thank you all very much. In four words, Steve Jobs encapsulates the entire speech and all of these subsequent sequences with their main and primary points into this pithy little sentence. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Remember where we were. We started with connecting the dots, saying, hey, if you just believe that the dots will connect later, you'll have the confidence now to follow your heart. Second sequence, you should follow your heart because you need to find what you love and chase your passion. Third sequence, Your time is limited. Don't waste it on trivial things or living someone else's life. And then at the end, through 
a very clever story, he shares with us a pithy little one-liner that encapsulates it all. Stay hungry, stay foolish. This is a masterclass in presentation by one of the masters of our generation. Now, we could easily point to a variety of different things that made this such a unique and popular and heartfelt and impactful presentation. For one, it is loaded with one-liners. Almost every single sentence in this speech for the 15-minute duration is so good and so packed with wisdom that it's retweetable. Each sentence that he shares is viral. There's the fact that he actually did lose that battle with cancer. And so when he speaks of death, for those of us listening 15 years later, it packs a very special and unique punch, a somber one. There's the fact that he's one of the biggest thought leaders and inventors and revolutionaries in the tech world uh, in our day, that all of our lives have been touched in some way by him. In fact, I'm showing you his speech from an iPhone delivered through software that he created on a laptop that he created. It's taking me three of his gadgets to talk to you about him. He left an imprint. All of those things are true and probably a lot more. But for this episode of Conversional, I want to hone in on one single mechanic because you might not be a thought leader revolutionary. You might not have invented the next laptop. You might not uh, have a thousand one-liners of wisdom, but you do have this. You have the ability to organize your speech. And that is something that Steve Jobs did that made this speech as powerful as it is. Despite all of those other wonderful things about the presentation, we can also argue this is one of the tightest, most cohesive presentations we've heard in a while. So here's our takeaway from this commencement address. Know where you want to go and have a roadmap to get there every time you get up to speak or hit record. This is Chris Lazo, and you're listening to the Conversional Speaking Podcast. Hope this was helpful for you. If you want to keep updated on all the content that I share, stuff like this, whether it's a podcast or YouTube videos or written posts or the occasional products that I offer that have helped people greatly from eBooks to courses, sign up for my email newsletter. I send out periodic emails collating all of my best stuff And it's another way for you to remain connected to what we're doing here together here at Conversional. And if you do it right now, I'll send you a free gift as soon as you sign up. It is my five ways of deepening your ability to speak. Until next time, I'll see you later, my fellow Conversionals.